coming to the stage the man who has written, directed, and produced some of the top records of the last two decades. He's a multi-Grammy Award winner, CEO of MyBlock Inc., instrumentalist, and pastor. Chart-topping hits spans multiple genres, and he's one of the most sought-after producers of our time. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage, Warren Campbell, a.k.a. to me, Pastor Baby Dove. Welcome him to the Coming to the Stage place. He is my pastor. You're welcome. Of the California <laughs> Worship Center. Yes, sir. The first yes, pastor sir. I ever had that understood that I might not be there on Sunday. I got that show out of town. I don't I don't I, I don't even know what his face looks like anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was on tour for many a year. So let's go back all the way back. Genesis chapter one, verse one says in the beginning, God uh -huh. created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. So let's start with Warren Campbell Jr. It's mm -mm, the seventies. The second? I'm the second. Been, oh, come on. Yeah, my dad, he don't like You don't juniors. like no juniors? He, he, he said, junior's country. You go, you're the second. <laughs> I said, okay. So your son is the third. He's the third, yeah. That's Wozy. Wozy. W-O-Z-Y. <laughs> so tell me what it was like to grow up in L.A. in the in the 70s. You were, Was it true you were born in a church? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know what it's like to grow up in, like, in the 70s because I was – you know, born in 75. Okay. So you so, were really an 80s baby. Yeah. By the time I realized what red and green was, it was 82, uh, oh. you know, <laughs> 81 or something like that. So you grew up on a, on 52nd in Normandy. 52nd in Normandy. So I was the first baby born in my church. Ah, okay. But you weren't physically born in the church. No, no, I wasn't on the second, because that would have to be the second pew. Not right. The first. Because if somebody got to hide. <laughs> yeah. So was that King's Chapel? King's Chapel Apostolic Church mm. uh, on 21st and Griffith on the east side of L.A. Mm -hmm. And so my parents met at that church. My dad came, from, graduated high school, came to here from New York. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather made him promise, just go to church one time. Just go to this one church <laughs> that he knew about. Yeah, yeah. So my dad came from New York. He said, man, I was fly. I had my wire rim glasses, my 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 New York clothes. Right. I was ready to party. All my cousins was hungover and nobody was answering the phone. So I was like, I'm just going to this church. Really? He went and met, met my mom and kept coming back. First Sunday you met your mom? Yep. First Sunday. He said she was the only one. He said all the other girls was like gawking at him like, ooh, who's that? She's the only one that walked up to him and said, hey, my name is Sandra. Hope you have a, a nice time at our church. All right, see you later. You know. And that was it. He was like, oh, yeah. And he was her. smitten. Were you born on your mom's birthday? I was born on my mother's 19th birthday. 19th birthday. She was born on her brother's 16th birthday. So y'all didn't want to split the days up in the family. No. We're going to have a party for you and Warren. It's going to be on the it's 19th. It's a big blowout. It's a big blowout. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your family like growing up? You have siblings, you know, anything like that? Yeah, I have one sister. Okay. So immediate family, very small, mama, daddy, sister, brother, that's it. But I have 63 First cousins, oh my just goodness. on my mother's side. Literally 63? Literally 63. 63 first I'm cousins? The, I'm, I'm one of the youngest. I'm the second youngest boy. Oh, my gosh. So my mother is the youngest of 10. When she was born, her older siblings were in their 30s already. Oh See what I'm saying? Goodness. Like her oldest brother was like 36 years old when she was born. She was born? So she has nieces and nephews older than her, right? So I have, you know, first cousins that are like, that could be my grandparents. <laughs> Hello, granny cousin. You know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But there's a sect of us, uh, eight to nine of us, that grew up like brothers and sisters. Mm. So we. So yeah. it felt like you had more siblings. Yeah, we all lived in each other's homes, and I have like uh, three, four cousins actually who like shaped everything I do. So, so the first three. Eric, Elton, Timothy. Mm-hmm. They're all the same age. Matter of fact, Timothy and Elton born on the same day, right? They're all <laughs> six years older than me. Exactly, okay. right? Timothy is, is responsible for me uh, in how I research things, and he's also responsible for my, uh, how I am with the women, with the ladies. <laughs> huh? <laughs> he's he's responsible for how I was able to speak to my wife and, and pull her in. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's 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 responsible for my uh, uh, female evangelism skills. <laughs> <laughs> my cousin Eric is like he was a sports guy. He was in the streets. You know, he was he was a thug almost. Right, so right, right. Any, anything thuggery. My 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 my, my skills as a fighter. Yeah, all that stuff. That's Eric. And then my cousin Elton is the music. He's the one that taught me how to play the piano. So first. you grew up playing music, fighting, and talking to women. All day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about that music. Is it true you started making money at 13 playing yeah. for churches? Yeah, 13 years old. Uh, 12, really. Um, uh, yeah. This one, <laughs> one church paid me $5 to, <laughs> to play at their uh, 4 o'clock Saturday evening service. Paid me five That's bucks. a lot for a 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> but see, and I, I wasn't playing for necessarily churches. I was playing for preachers. Mm. So when I was 13, I was playing the organ, and, and a lot of the guys liked the way I backed them up when they hooped. I was yeah. really good at that. Yeah. So I didn't have to play for the whole service, so it allowed me to play at a bunch of churches. I just got to show up in time for the guy to close and hoop. <laughs> and he gave me $75. You know, that was it. <laughs> Oh, just imagine you sneaking in the back. That's what the I said. Side door. Hey, I heard, yeah, he finna hoop. Let me go ahead and get her. B flat. As soon as I hear him, and here I go. As soon as he get through tallin' off, he passed me that seventy five. That's what they do. They pass. Church people don't never want to just give it to you straight no. up. They always gotta let me just bless you. Yeah, let me. Ain't nobody. It's twenty dollars in me, here. Let me shake something in your hand. <laughs> Why are you being so dark on all this trade craft for twenty seven dollars? We over here doing a bless you. We're doing a drug deal. It's like ugh. Ah. don't let nobody see that. <laughs> so, so what was the first instrument? Were you like most church church kids learning drums first drums and then first. graduate to keys? It was drums. I was the church drummer at two, three years old. I was the guy. Yeah. Yeah. For the church? I got footage. Yeah. Really? And I played at another church called Church of Jesus Christ at night. My mom would take me over there to their night service. Four years old, and I'd play for them. How are you good enough to play a service at three and four? Listen, man, I can't. I can't. Were you like a savant? Probably. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I, I said probably because in preschool, (laughs) in preschool, the teacher thought I needed to go to special classes. <laughs> she called my parents and was like, uh, we think <laughs> we think your son uh, has special needs. He won't listen in class at all. He just looks up in the sky. He either beating on the desk or he's like doing like this in the air. And my mother said, I don't remember this. My, my mom said, um, 
uh, I knew the curriculum already because she had taught me all that stuff at home. Mm. So, you know, preschool, ABCs, one through threes. Yeah. But I could, I could do uh, addition and subtraction, little stuff like that yeah. at three. So whatever they were talking about just wasn't interesting to me. Yeah. So I'm like, that's going to pop in my head. You know, doing all that. So the teacher's like, this little kid's, he's a little bit, we can't say what they are. What's going off with your mouth? So she calls my parents in. My mom goes, no, he knows the curriculum. Warren, she said, now ask some questions. You answer her. Mm. And she asked me all the questions. And she said, oh, my God. What he's doing is he's playing the drums. He's a drummer. There happened to be a drum set in the corner in the little cafeteria. Yeah. He said, go play the drums. I said, I can play. Yeah. I went, I went play the drums. Start wearing the drums. <laughs> <laughs> the teacher starts crying. Really? And gives my parents money for drum lessons for me. Wow. Yeah. So how many instruments do you play? Because I've seen you at least play bass, keys, drums, and guitar. That's yeah. just what I've seen you play on Instagram. Um, it's it's. I started on drums at six. I started playing bass. Then at nine, I I went to to uh to keys because my dad bought me a, a like a little Casio joint, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and I thought that when he bought me that Casio, I thought I had a whole studio basically. <laughs> this is it right here, so you can see. That's, that's the Casio. Oh, wow. I'm 11 right there. Oh, you gotta send me this picture. You playing with one on the left and on the one on the right? Listen, my my godmother, who was the lead singer of the Honeycomb, uh, they had a song called "Gonna Put It in the One Ass." I sampled that song for Mary Mary's song "Heaven." This is my god. So the church that I was born in, it was her father's church. Yeah. So they were secular singers. Her and her sister, they sung. You ever seen that? Um, uh, Documentary Twenty Feet from Stardom. Yep. So yep. she's in it, and her sister, Darling really? Love, is the main character. In I remember that. I grew up in. I was born in their father's church. Wow. So, so you was twenty feet from Stardom. Yeah, I was always twenty <laughs> feet. Right away, they were the fourth pew, about twenty feet. Mark Mark, make sure I get this picture to you because he was right here as a baby Warren. Yeah. He wasn't a big one. He's just a baby dub. You just a baby dub. I just sent it to you. All and right. So yeah, they because of them, everybody was at our church. Our church music department was crazy. Mm. It was my family and the, and the pastor's family was like the musicians and the choir. There was like Dion Warwick, Elder Barge, all these people would just be at our church all the time. Like, really? Yeah. So yeah. did that like continue to like to nurture that fire that you yeah. already have? Because they would call our choir to sing on records, mm-hmm. Tina Turner and People like that, and then uh, little, they needed some kids. We'd be the kids in the studio singing. Wow! So I spent my life in the studio. So what did you want to do when when you were young? Because you've done a lot of stuff, you know, now. But as a kid, what were your aspirations? I wanted to be a producer. Oh, so you're doing exactly what you wanted to do? <laughs> yeah. I, listen, there was a sign on my door that said "Cinnamon Productions." <laughs> as a kid, get, yeah. Don't. I don't know why. Well, it was I, I, I love music and I love cinnamon flavored things. <laughs> Warren Campbell, Cinnamon, cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> Actually, probably we well, couldn't afford a Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but we did make Cinnamon Toast. <laughs> in the oven? In the oven. Oh, everybody poor did that. With a little bread, with a little butter on there. <laughs> that was good eating. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's a ribeye. <laughs> <laughs> cinnamon Toast. Oh, oh my God. Mm. Okay, so boom, you're in high school now. 
Mm-hmm. Are you thinking of pursuing music full time after graduation, or what's going through your mind? So in high school and before high school, I was in a group called the Souls of Zion. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was <laughs> me and my little sister. Me and my sister were already singing at a bunch of little churches. Mm-hmm. We had a little. Remember, um, you had your tracks on, yep. your, on your cassette tapes. Yep. Uh, we would sing BB and CC songs everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So we were known as little BB and CC. <laughs> And then we met these two other kids named David and Dewan, and we became a group called the Souls of Zion. We sung around town, opened up for com- Commission and Bell oh, and Yolanda Adams and Daryl. Anybody that was coming in town, we were there opening up. We did like big, di- big gigs, you know. Wilshire Ebell, you know. Yo. We was at the, the Wilshire Ebell when I was twelve, <laughs> doing steps and everything with tuxedos on. <laughs> and so, by the time I got to high school. Um, there's a guy, his name was Ed. Mm. He was singing in this group, and they had just recorded for uh, Word Records and Epic Records. They needed a keyboard player. So I'm 10th grade, 10th, 11th grade, and they hired me as their keyboard player, and they brought me on in the group. They were called New Vision. Mm-hmm. And I was part of that second album and produced, uh, co-produced and wrote some stuff on the album. And that's where it really started for me in 11th grade. So I started really, you know. Man, you've been. Yeah. You've been focused for a long time. Oh man, yeah. I heard that you you missed the last ninety days of high school. Hey, who told you that? How'd you <laughs> Marquita get that? Bradley gonna do her research. <laughs> Where'd you get that from? <laughs> Marquita Bradley figures it out. That's a hundred percent true. <laughs> we get at least one of these in an interview. Like how you did that there? You missed the last ninety days but still graduated. Yeah. How? <sighs> That's gonna make me look like such a terrible person. But <clears throat> here goes. Uh, so I was in that group. Mm-hmm. We're recording the album. The producers, my mentor's name is Jerry Peters. Jerry's, look him up, you know, legend in this game. So I wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. The studio was, uh, my, I went to Hamilton High School. The studio uh, was called Wind Sonic. It was right by the Beverly Center, which was only like seven minutes from my school. Mm. So there was a girl <laughs> that worked in the office that liked me. She was 27. I'm 17. <laughs> It's one of them church girls. You know, when you're 17 and you play the organ. Oh, man. Every church well mother. James. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I got so many, you know, come over Tuesday and get this sweet potato pie from the, just come around the back door. I got out and did so many of those, you know. So this girl worked in the office. She said, listen, if you just get an A on every final and don't do nothing else for the whole school year, you still don't get a C in the class. I was like, Really? <laughs> she said, listen, I'll change your schedule for you. You don't have a first period. Just come for second period. I'll give you the key to the faculty parking lot and just come second period. They take roll. That's homeroom. They take roll. They take the roll for the whole school. And you can just leave. I was like, thank you. <laughs> so I did that. I would come for second period and I was driving. So yeah. I, would, I would go to the studio every day. And then. So yeah. you checked in at high school and then went to work. <laughs> yeah, I clocked in at school, went to work at the, up the street at the studio. Sometimes I was just sitting there watching, you know. And me and my dad had a thing where, you know, he's like, you can do what you want to do. But if you get caught, <laughs> that's it. So I, I remember I graduated. Now, what I did was to graduate, I had to get an A. I was not the stud- most studious person, Okay. I had, it's a music school, so any of the music classes, I'm going to get an A, fine. Mm-hmm. American literature, I fudged that because I was like, um, our presentation, we'll just do a performance. <laughs> <laughs> so you just made something music. Yeah, and I got an A on that. 
problem was economics and Spanish too. So I had to cheat on those. <laughs> so economics, Paula Patton was in my class. Really? Definitely cheated off her paper. Uh, no way. It was multiple choice. I was like, okay. <laughs> See, y'all was doing that. Got an A on that. Spanish was a little different. I had to get a little gangster. So it was me and this dude named Jamar. We punked the Mexican kid in the, in, in the, in the, in the class. Because first of all, you're Mexican, okay? You're, in, you're taking Spanish classes. You're already cheating, right? So you're going to give us these answers. Otherwise, after this, you're going to have to see me. So this is what you're going to do. If it's A, you hold your finger up one. B, C, three. If you got to erase, rub like this on your desk. And we got A's on that final. <laughs> he fucked the Spanish, uh, Mexican kid into teaching him Spanish. Why is he in Spanish class? That's like being, taking English. I can speak it already. What are you talking about? So after you graduate, you connect with DJ Quick, and you said they uh, he gave you your star. Is that true? Yeah. So I had a friend named DJ Rogers Jr. He's a real junior. <laughs> Not the second. Not the second. His dad was a big. He just passed away last year. Big, you know. Soul singer in the seventies, he had that song "Say yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that little man, uh, little Big Sean. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So DJ knows everybody. Mm-hmm. His dad is famous, and plus DJ is a writer and singer. Um, grad night, I graduate. He calls me, says, "Hey, um, I got this song I want to do. I want to come to the house." So I did a beat for him. I did the song. He was like, "Man, we should get DJ Quick to do the drums." I was like, "DJ Quick, you know DJ Quick?" He was like, "Yeah, that's like my brother." And I believed him because he had a DJ Quick tour jacket. Mm. <laughs> he would wear it all the time. I just thought he stole it. I don't know how I got it. But we, were, we drove way out. It was like an hour drive. We drove to Quick's house. Me and Quick hit it off. I'm, at the time, 17. Man. Quick is like 23. And we just, man, he became my mentor. And he was working on his third album, Safe and Sound. I, I played on that album, a lot of that stuff. And he um, basically... He had this drum machine. Now, if you know anything about producers in the 80s and 90s, especially hip hop, it was all about your sounds. Mm-hmm. You people like uh, you can distinguish uh, Jermaine Dupri from uh, Dr. Dre from uh, DJ Premier by their drum sounds, mm-hmm. right? Because they would go and dig in the crates and go out and get their sounds. So I didn't know anything about that. I, I just watched him. I watched him, and then I waited till he went to the bathroom one day. And I went and started hitting the buttons on the drum machine. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, what is this? I wrote down what it was. It was a Akai MPC three th- uh, sixty-two, Akai MPC sixty. So I went and looked in the recycler paper, <laughs> found one for use for sale, bought it. Came back, said, "Hey man, I bought a drum machine like yours." He said, "What?" He had an angry face. I thought, "Man, I messed up." You know. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. He walked out the room. I'm sitting there for a while going like, oh, shoot. Like, right. He's upset that I bought a drum machine? <laughs> but he wasn't. He just was like shocked that I did that because nobody else in the crew was like interested in that. Mm. He came back with a, a, a Anvil metal briefcase. He opened it up. It was floppy disks in there of all his music, all his beats, all his sounds. Oh, snap. He gave it to me. He said, take this home. Get some box of floppy disks, copy all this, and bring it back. I'm going to show you how to work it. So you took the initiative, and he saw that and was like, oh, you yeah. you want to do this? Let me lace you yeah. with floppy disks. So that whole first Mary Mary album is all DJ Quick Sounds. What? 100%. 
sounds that he gave me. He said, man, take the sounds. You're not going to use them the way I use them. You're going to create your own thing. And, like, and mind you, a lot of people have done that. If you listen to 50 Cent in the club, mm-hmm. dun, dun, those are DJ quick sounds that he gave to Dre. You know what I'm saying? Like That's why I love talking to musicians. <laughs> you just learn so many things that you would have never known otherwise. Wow. I did not know that. Mm. I love that Mary Mary first album. I love all their albums, but the first one was, we'll get to that. So where did the nickname Baby Dub come from? Again, DJ Quick. <laughs> really? He named me, they were calling me Boy Wonder at first. Matter of fact, my first drum machine that I told you mm-hmm. about, there's a sticker on there that says Boy Wonder. There's a guy named Big Jake that used to hang with Quick. Um, he started calling me Boy Wonder. It was everybody's Boy Wonder. Boy, that, was, that was the name. Mm-hmm. Jake gets gunned down in Atlanta at a Jermaine Dupree party mm-hmm. uh, by some guy that was, they were arguing with Puffy about something and he got in the middle and they, they killed him. I just didn't like, after he passed away, I was like, man, I just. You, you didn't want to go yeah, away that no more. Where did they call me that? And then one day, they would call me Baby Warren too. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody called me Baby Warren because I'm the second. And then one day he just started calling me Baby Dub out of the, out the blue. We calling you Baby Dub from now on. I was like, I like that. And it stuck, man. I've been Baby Dub ever since. And you said Baby Dub on the Mary Mary song. Oh, yeah. Baby Dub, Baby Dub, Mary Mary, Mary Mary. Hey, Baby <laughs> Dub, Baby Dub. So I, you, is it true you played keys on Brandy's first album when she was on tour? No. Okay. I didn't play, <laughs> I didn't play on the album. I was in her band. Oh, you, oh, for her. Oh, got it. You on, were on, on tour, tour with her, physically on tour. Yeah. And I had never done that before. I really wanted to do a tour. Mm-hmm. I was doing, a lot of guys do tour and then studio and then produce. Mm-hmm. I was already doing the producing and making beats and in the studio a lot. And I, I was always telling guys, I want to go on a tour. So a buddy of mine, Kenny Crouch, who was producer on that brand new album, his brother, Keith Crouch, produced all the, all the big hits. Mm-hmm. You know, Want to Be Down, Baby Baby, Best Friend all those records and um he said man you want to go on this tour this brandy tour i was like yeah yeah i definitely want to do that that's how i got on there how old were you then uh by then i'm 18. you was 18 and on tour 18 on tour uh and i was i was supposed to be in college Uh, i was going to go to either berkeley columbia or cal cal arts which is out here somewhere Mm -hmm. and uh you're like, I'm already working. What do I need to go to college for? Well, my dad said, listen, oh, because I didn't finish that story. One day I hear the phone click, bam, Warren. I said, yeah, it's my dad. <laughs> you missed the last 90 days of school. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was so mad, but there's nothing he could do. He was like, you done, you done walked already now. <laughs> you done graduated. Too late. <laughs> Way too late for it to be mad. So uh, he said, you can either play around and fool around like you did in high school or you can take this job because you're going to go to college to learn how to do mm-hmm. what they're going to pay you to do. So you might as well. My mom was not having it. You got to go to college. Get in. I said, I'm going on tour. <laughs> I was out there for about three, two years, two years. Two years? Two years on, off and on, you know, four months here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And yeah, that it was, it was great. And then on the road, I wrote this song and Brandy liked it. She said, oh man, I want to do it. Oh, shoot. Okay. So we get home. She records. Well, she said she's going to record it. In the meantime, I have a meeting with a guy named Big John mm-hmm. at EMI uh, Publishing. 
I've heard that name before. He's, he's a, still he's now the business. he's now the CEO. Okay, yeah, and chairman of Sony Music Publishing. I mean, he's still That's my publisher. That's what it was. I heard about a publishing deal, and he's the one that has to sign off on that. He's the, he's the guy, and he had just got his job. I'm the second person he signed. He signed Jay Z, who nobody knew at the time, and then he signed me. I, I had no songs published, no songs placed. He heard this one song I wrote. He says, "Well, who you thinking about for the song?" I said, "I'm gonna get Brandy to sing it." He says, "Okay, whatever." You gotta remember, Brandy's like five, six million sold, yeah. untouchable. Like he's like, what? I came back to him a week later with her on it. Wow! She, she pulled up to the house, got went in my garage, my parents' house, sung the song. You know, song ended up not making the album because right after that, Rodney Jerkins came and booted everybody off the album. He <laughs> was like, finish him. <laughs> Just killed everything. What album was this? This is Never Say Never. Oh man. And so now I'm in tour rehearsal for Never Say Never, knowing that I don't have any records, mm-hmm. or any songs on this album. I'm going to support an album that I have nothing invested in, you know, no equity in this. And I just was feeling bad. I'm trying to figure out why I'm rehearsing. I just feel lousy. Like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So I quit. I told the MD at the time, I said, man, I can't. He was like, what? This is about to be a great tour. I said, man, I, I, so I go home. I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting on the steps at my parents' house. Brandy pulls up, up the hill. I was like, yo, what up, B? What happened? I said, Brandy, <laughs> I'm a songwriter now. <laughs> I hadn't written a song for anybody yet, but, you know. <laughs> so after that, she was like, okay. She understood. She was like, my next album, you're going to be on this album. That was Full Moon, and I did He Is on that album. So. And that Full Moon is black people's, yes, especially vocalists, they they call Brandy the vocal bible, and the Full Moon album is like timeless masterpiece. And I get hated on because I like Never Say Never better. Mm. Never Say Never has all the hits and sold more records than Full Moon. Right. The boy is mine. It's on Never Say Never. Like, <laughs> right, come on. Right. Like, what are you, that's the big. That's the you know. Yeah. But I understand because Full Moon is it just knocks like the, the, sonically. It is just if it's you're really producing closing. the music like what Rodney did on it was crazy. He ain't boot you off that. No, he couldn't. You can't. What you gonna do? What he is? That was right. like, right. you crazy. Because <laughs> if you don't take this song, guess where it's going? Right. It's going to Beyonce. Right. <laughs> and it's over. Cancel Christmas for everybody. If, she, if Beyonce sings, he is. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, so I don't know if many people know this. I knew this because I went to the church. I went down to the California worships. You end up working with Death Row in the late 90s. And you work on Tupac, uh, Tupac's All Eyes on Me? Yeah. How how, the, how do you end up to the Death Row? So, with Quick, Quick again. Quick was being managed at the time when he was working on that album mm-hmm. by Suge. That was his manager. So, Suge, Death Row starts really cracking. The Snoop album that just came out. Mm-hmm. Chronicle's already out. And he's like, yo, Suge is managing me. They got a studio in Tarzana called Can-Am. We're going to just start working up there. So, we... Packed up everything and started working at Can Am, but then all those people will be around. Pac is in jail at mm. the time, so we were doing Murder Was a Case, Snoop's album, and so I, I got to work on that a little bit, meeting Daz and Snoop and all the guys. Everybody was so like like inspiring to me. Everybody was just so musical. You mm-hmm. know, it was a great environment for me because it was just like being around dudes that I grew up with on the block. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. There would be reporters that came, like somebody's following Suge from like say like a magazine or whatever, and they would report like in their in a, in their uh, uh, article, you know the the environment is toxic and violent. It's, 
we slap boxing and stuff. <laughs> we like, you know what I'm saying? We just, we're like kids off the block, horse playing all day long. Yeah, like, yeah. When Pac was there, we had a thing called the sleeper hold game. <laughs> so like, there's a one studio, a long hallway, a kitchen, and another studio in the back. You could be walking down the hallway and somebody jump out and put you in a sleeper hold. <laughs> They put you to sleep and, and they y'all take, was playing. Yeah, they take pictures like Polaroids and put put them all over the. When you wake up, it's like it's pictures. Of you I never got put to sleep. Pac's uh, bodyguard, they called him Bogart. He got put to sleep one day, and like nobody wanted to be there when he woke up. <laughs> y'all weren't just playing. Y'all were really putting people to sleep. Yeah, but it to us it was so fun. Like it's like in the hood, we used to put people to sleep. We used to make people faint. Yeah, get against the wall. Like, oh, make them uh, get on your knees and like pant. Yeah. Then get against the wall with press your chest and see if you pass out. And it, it would make them pass out. <laughs> that, you know, it's stuff you do as a kid because you don't have enough toys. I don't know why we, we did that. We also just rode bikes and you don't play basketball. Y'all was like, violence. I wonder if I could put you to sleep and almost kill you. And then now uh, you'll fade. Well, y'all didn't play tag or how to go see? No, no we, almost. Let's mess with your brain. Not enough oxygen. That'll be funny. We found a weed. We found a weed whacker, <laughs> and 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 took it to a cat in the alley one day. <laughs> let's see what the cat'll do. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's the you know you watched uh, Boys in the Hood. You want to see a dead body? Man, that, that was us. <laughs> I'm glad you found music. <laughs> so your first major record was Drew Hill's "How Deep Is Your Love for Me." That was my first number one before, mm, well, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say Shanice, but I think Shanice is after. Mm-hmm. after and you that. a producer and songwriter on how to, I didn't know this mm-hmm. until I read it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't know because, you know, I'm Drew Hill to me is the, the greatest R&B group. Really? Above Jodeci. And I, I, Above Jodeci? I will, I go back and forth with people. I take on all comers. Why? Above Jodeci. I just, I just, I personally, I, it's also going to be a little nostalgia. I grew up with Drew Hill as they were like, going Jodeci oh, yeah. was maybe two or three years. That's right. You have no grays. Yeah. Yeah. We've well, yeah. got a couple of gray, but now you, your gray is no, full in is, and prominent. This is, this says Jodeci. <laughs> <laughs> I actually went to Devontae and Dallin's dad's church in North Carolina. Are you serious? Their dad, uh, his church, I don't think it was him. The great? Yeah. Yeah. He had, they had anointing oil in ketchup and mustard. <laughs> Shakers. This is a true story. They were spraying people with anointing oil. Like, get. I was like, what the heck is? Who needs that much? They like, you might as well put the anointing oil in a little, them little water guns. This, seriously, spray by. It was like something that I was like, this is. And I grew up in church. I saw wild stuff. It's like you don't need that much. People Wait, was leaving with greasy shirts. Was it still? Did it still say Heinz on it? No. <laughs> They had nondescript. It was still the red and yellow. Do, yeah, it's still red and yellow. And dude was doing it with two hands. I was like, this is an excessive amount. And they had him like lined up. It was bananas. But anyway. He's an oil ninja. Gosh. So, so you got a number one song. It's on Rush Hour soundtrack. And this time, movie soundtracks are big albums. Like yeah. alone. And like Rush Hour. A lot of money. <laughs> Listen, we so I I worked on that album. It was the Enter the Drew album, the second album. I had already done like a few songs, and here comes this opportunity. Like I had been working on this little piece of music, and I had that. And then they said, "Well, we got a song opportunity to do this movie 
uh, Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker, da, da, da. I was like, okay. And so I had that piece, and then my man Dutch, who's also on the album, mm-hmm. producer, shout out to uh, Dutch, Big Big Rick. He uh, put the beat, the drums to it. Then Nokia from Drew Hill, he got mm-hmm. involved, so it's us three producing together. Mm-hmm. Then I brought in a cello player, because I was next door working on a song called You're My Angel for, on that same album yep. with Woody. I had a cello play, player over there doing, so I brought her over to the other studio to the do 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 all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So and then they brought out Red Man to be on the record. Yeah, he jumps on the record now. They want to shoot the video in Hong Kong, directed by Brett Ratner, who directed the film. Man. So I'm like, oh, that's great. So they go over there, then they call me. They're there. They call me and say, we need you to come over because for whatever reason, Red Man, he can't leave the country <laughs> to come do the video. So we need you to put a bridge, a musical bridge, so we can do it. I said, oh, okay. So they put me on a plane. I fly to Hong Kong. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life, you know. And wow. we were there for about two weeks. Uh, shot the video, met Brett Ratner, and did all this stuff. It was just really cool experience. Comes out, and that joint is number one. I said, wow. That's a that's one of Drew Hill's biggest songs. Yeah. It is. So I mean, let, let's let's this is this let's just talk about some of the things you worked on just in the nineties. Okay, mm. we got Murder Was the Case soundtrack, Doctor Doolittle, Have Plenty, Shaft, Rush Hour One and Two, Best Man soundtrack, and more. How do you feel, Shaft? Yeah. What's Shaft? Oh yeah 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 yeah. This is yeah. You right. don't even remember. That's how much stuff <laughs> you did. <laughs> you were just making stuff because Marquita like oh Warren, you was on that Shaft. <laughs> what song? Can you tell what song? How did you feel? Why she, why she pulls it up? How does it feel? Like, are you even realizing what you're doing? Are you just making music? Like, what's going through your mind? Well, um, Big John is my coach at the time, and he would not. I don't know if this is good or bad because I, I've definitely passed, passed this thing on to my, you know, artist. Um, he would not let me celebrate anything too long. Mm. So if I had a hit record and I and I'm like, you know, say I won an uh, ASCAP award or record one number one or whatever, I got about a week to be mm. talking about that record. Like, then after a while, he was like, hey, hey, man, listen, I don't want to hear nothing about that record no more. <laughs> In this business, <laughs> it ain't about can you do it, it's about can you do it again? Man. Can you do it again? I'm like, yeah, I can do it again. Well, quit talking about that record, man. It's, it's done. We're done with that. It's out. What you gonna do now? <laughs> so that was like the whole thing. So I just kept and so I look up, and there's all these things that I've I've neglected to celebrate. Mm. You know, I didn't enjoy the moment, you know. And but it's cool now that I'm older. I'm like, man, I really did that. I did this. I'm starting to, you know, remember certain things. And it's weird because I didn't take a lot of pictures. My mom would always be like, you should take more pictures. I'm like, I don't want to be the corny dude. But now we're in the era of everybody takes pictures. Yeah. But then it was like. Who's this cornball with a camera? Right. Like, <laughs> right, right. You could, you did not do, do that, right? And yeah. there was no camera phone, so what, I'm gonna have a gonna one of them. A, <laughs> like I'm not doing. I'm gonna be that guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Oh my god. So I mean, you work on so many things, and and some of them you don't even receive credit. Like, how did you deal with that? Being a part of something, you you know, you're yeah. not on like the credit Like the Tupac. Thing, yeah. You know, uh, to finish that story. Uh, Shook had us in the studio working on remakes. He had a stack of vinyl albums. Mm-hmm. He said, I need you to remake all these, make them sound just like this so our producers can sample what you guys do and not so, this. And not the master recording. Yeah, so we're in there working on Love and Happiness. 
mm. remaking it, sounding just like the record. The door opens and Tupac walks in. But he got like a beard like that, <laughs> full head of hair, like, oh, but he snap. had a little hole in his neck. Yeah, he had that coldy. I said, oh, shoot. So he's like, hey, y'all, we like, listen, he walks in the room, everything stops. We stop playing. It's like one of them Westerns. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm here, but I'm home. I'm home. I'm signing a death row now. I want all y'all, man, you, 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 y'all come back here tomorrow. We're going to work on my album. We're going to start tomorrow. I was like, yo, we all you know, shook his hands. Like, yo, what's up, Pac? You know, we had never met him. I come back the next day. Pac said, come tomorrow. I'm coming. <laughs> I get there. He pulls up in a brand new Rolls Royce, head shave, death row chain, Rolex. He looks like, what? That was, just saw you last night. You look homeless. That was fast. And so we started working on the album. And it was crazy how people would come from all over the place. Mm. I'm like, here comes Method Man. Here comes this guy. Just, just to see him. Just to Damn. be in that room and watch, like, that was history. I got, somebody sent me some footage of me in that studio with Pac. And Charlie Wilson is there. Mm. Other people. It, was, it was a crazy time. So were you ever, like, not intimidated, but were you ever, like, you know, like, dang, like, this is crazy. I'm in the studio with this person, that person, but you got to remain cool, or you just were, it didn't bother you? At the time, I, I think I was too young or stupid to even <laughs> Realized that history was being made. Mm -hmm. Most people, I think, that are involved in you know things that will go on to become history, they seldom know that they're in it during yeah. the time. Like what you're doing right now, mm -hmm. this is history. Man. Like five years. That was from now, the old. That was just one song, man. We did that already. <laughs> <laughs> or the next thing. I'm saying a black man that got his own studio. Came on stage. Listen, I watch it. That's history. That's my name back there. Yeah, Cam, like, you were here. You gonna you gonna look back? You like man? I really because you are gonna be doing something else, right? In ten years, twenty years, you like way over here, like. But people are gonna be talking about this, so it's, it feels like that. It's kind of like you don't know. You just you're in the moment, man. I was. It was a lot of fun to do a record on Friday, and it's all over the world by Monday, man. To be a part of that kind of power base that was Death Row, it was yeah. like really crazy. My name is not on any Tupac stuff. How, so how does that happen? Because I wasn't signed to Death Row. I had a meeting with Big John. Then I had a meeting with Suge two weeks after that saying he wanted to sign my publishing. Mm. I'm like, I already got a publishing deal. I didn't yet. I just had a meeting. But mm. Big John said, I want to sign you. So he's like, well, I got to have publishing on all my artists. You can still be here and work. You know, we still going to pay you because they were paying me a bunch of money. Uh, and But we can't put your name on nothing because, you know, we ain't, you ain't signed here. Mm. Plus, I was already signed in a production deal with another guy named Harry O, mm. Michael Harris, who was Suge's arch nemesis. He's the <laughs> one that gave Suge the startup money for Death Row, but he was locked up in jail. Oh, snap. So he just got out of jail, got pardoned by Trump, and, and I'm like, it's going to be a bloodbath in these streets. Right, right, right. Suge gets locked up. He's gone, and then here comes Michael Harris coming back out. It's like, it literally could be like Armageddon in these streets right now if both of them <laughs> on the streets. Whew, I'm yeah. glad we avoided that. So, where, where, I mean, Death Row has a lot of notoriety and stuff, you know, and I heard your, you say a couple times in interviews that your dad said, don't let your occupation run all over your salvation. Yeah. So how did you, I mean, because this is the 90s and these are, Tupac is arguably, if not the biggest rap star yeah. there. So I know you have access or visually see, you know what I'm saying, amen, you know, bless, bless it. 
<laughs> women, oh, things yeah. of that nature. Like, how do you stay focused, or did you lose your sense of Jesus for a little bit? No, I was. I was. I, listen, some people come to Jesus uh, because they just the love of Christ in their heart. We, you probably experienced. We were scared. <laughs> we were scared of the devil. Like they like scared us into salvation. Like you yeah. going to hell for every water bottles, <laughs> hell. Like everything was hell, right? So I was literally like scared of certain things. So I walked in the studio one time. They were doing the video casting call for one of the videos, and it was just butt naked chicks all over the place. Well, they had on. It was butt naked to me. They had on, had on bikinis or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, yo, what in the heck is going on? And so they're doing the casting for the video, but they mm. had the studio. I'm like, yeah. they're everywhere. It wasn't, it, maybe an hour went by, and next thing you know, it was a bunch of chicks in this room, stuff going on. So it started being weird. I was like, ooh, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I got, I go. got nervous. I was like, ooh. Normally, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a, I love women, but. Some stuff I just ain't gonna do. Like right. we on the tour of Brandy, uh, some of the dancers had girls on the bus, and so we get on the bus and we open up. You know, have the bunk area. Mm-hmm. It just looked like steam. I just seen a bunch of girls. They was they was in there dancing for the dancers. Right. Right? So they was in there dancing. I was like, oh, there was so many girls in there. I was like, oh, I gotta get out of here because I'm not gonna do this. I would I'll do some stuff, but I, this I can't do this. It looked like hell. That's what it looked like. <laughs> so it's 1999. You win your first Grammy for your work on on Yolanda albums, Yolanda Adams album, Mountain High Valley Low. What was yeah. that? What was that like? That was great to see it because it was her first Grammy too, and um, I caught her in the hallway. I mean, the it's the Staples Center. Mm-hmm. So when you go up, I don't know what you call that area where the food stuff is. <laughs> she was just crying. I was like, that was so huge to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, and I went on to work for the label. I was working for Electra Records as a vice president then. And so that was like, you know, huge to me. You yeah, know, to yeah. be involved. And I had just signed Mary Mary at the time. So they wrote two of those songs and singing background on it. You know, so oh, the, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was huge for me. So, yeah. Might as well talk about Mary Mary. How did you come up with the idea to, to get that group and the name what was the genesis? The genesis was the Wilshire Ebell Theater, nineteen ninety-five, December 9th. Oh man, you remember this specifically? Yes, vividly. It was a play called Sneaky. Now I had went to that play the week before mm-hmm. with this young lady. I took her on a date, and while I'm there, I see this other lady come on on stage named Erica. I didn't know her name at the time, but I recognized her because I remember. I said, "Oh, that's the girl with all them sisters. They sing all over L.A., right?" Yeah. I never knew the names. Man, she's whew, she's killing. My father's birthday is December 9th. So, Dad, I'm gonna take you to a play for your birthday. I got the right perfect gift. We going to play. So we go to the play. Eric Dawkins is in the play. Mm-hmm. He's the one that gave me the tickets, right? And plus, he's gonna stay with me after that because he's like, me and Anson are gonna work on another album. I want you to work on it. So, okay, cool. And so after the play, I see her. He introduces us. I'm like, hi, how you doing? You know, that was that. So he's at my house. We're working on music. Like, I must have just been talking about her too much. You know, like, man, okay. You, I got, this is back when we had pagers. He's like, I got, the, I got a pager number with a pager. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so they come out, her, and this time she brings her sister with her, mm-hmm. who I didn't see at the play. Yeah. She brings Tina with her. 
And so they're in the studio, my pen, well, the garage, <laughs> in my mom's house. Y'all was doing work in that garage. Yeah, in that garage. <laughs> and we're working, and you know, and I'm like, man, she is fine. So I'm basically trying to holler at her. I get her number. We said, come back and write on, you know, let's write together. <laughs> we wrote on some stuff. We went on a couple of dates, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. When they came back, she she left and went back on the road with the play again. She was gone for like five months. Mm. Came back. And we started working on these records that somebody said it was an opportunity for a soundtrack called Prince of Egypt. So we start working on the song. I do that, and that song was Shackles. You know, wait, that was on the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. No. Okay, I, I was like, we ain't giving this to Prince of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> like I must have missed something. So we did a different song for Prince of Egypt, and it'll be a song called. Let go with Mary Mary featuring Ty Tribbett and GA, mm-hmm. who I, we didn't we didn't even know at the time. Mm-hmm. They just got on the song. But so after that, I was like, you know what? Y'all should be a group. We had we had written Shackles. We they had did the Doctor Doolittle soundtrack, and as just Eric and Tina, you know. Yeah. Y'all should be a group. They was like, what? They had never even thought about being a group. Really? No. Even though they were singing all over LA, they were singing as a. Sisters it was like a hundred of them. They were like <laughs> singers like a choir, a, a, a blood choir. There's a lot of Atkins. It's a lot of them. A lot of Atkins. And so, Children everywhere. Yeah. And then mama was saying, you didn't, back then, you didn't know who the mama was. Right. Because she looked just like she them, did. right? <laughs> and so, yeah, I knew that, but they had never sung as a group like that. Mm-hmm. They was like, really? I said, yeah. I said, who would our name be? I, I like those rock and roll names like Third Eye Blind, Eagle Eye Cherry. You know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and so I was like, man, Nirvana. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I came up with this whole, I said, Mary, Mary, because Mary is a religious name. They was like, Mary, Mary. He was like, that's kind of dope. What does it mean? I said, well, I think it's two berries in the Bible. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I went upstairs, asked my dad. I said, dad, yeah. Is it two Marys in the Bible? He said, boy, I done bought you a book, sent you to school. You still don't know nothing. That's what he said. <laughs> Yeah, I said, okay, cool. Came back. Did they know each other? <laughs> he, then he and my dad goes, yeah, they were like, they were kind of like sisters. I was like, boom. I went back downstairs. I was like, they know each other because they didn't know either. Oh, <laughs> said all that time in church. Right. You know, we don't know nothing but the, the songs. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's how we came up with the name. It was like Mary Mary. It's like, that's just dope. And then Heavy D. Mm. Heavy calls me. Like, yo, do you know Puff? I'm like, nah, I don't, you know, I'm coming from death row. I don't fool with Puff. He knows about the, the situation when my man got shot over there. And mm-hmm. I'm like, ah. But listen, he's starting this five-man A&R team. You should come talk to him, like, just interview for it. I'm like, nah, I'm cool. Man, stop being an idiot, man. Come down here. Come to the studio. Come to the record plant. I'm like, nah, man, I'm good. If you don't come down here right now, I'm calling your mama. Like my mama. <laughs> All right, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming down there. So I go down there and I have uh two some tapes with me. I got Mary Mary Shackles. I got some Drew Hill stuff that we were just working on. And I just knew it. Like he walked in the room, extra arrogant puff. He didn't even look at me. He was like, Yeah, what you do? I got a chip on my shoulder because right. I don't like him. I don't even know him, I don't like him. <laughs> I'm death row, you know what I'm saying? I'm death row. <laughs> so I'm like what you mean what I do? I I do what you do. I make records. I, I just like that. Really? Like, you said just like that? Yeah. He was like, well, well, play me something then. I'm like, put it in. 
he starts jumping up and down on the couch like, yo, yo, I'm playing shackles. Oh, yo, 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 yo. What, yo, who's that? Who's that? I was like, it's my group. He was like, yo, I'm working on a bad boy gospel album. I said, well, I got a gospel group. I want to sign him. I'm like, all right. And so all of a sudden, he started, he started being cool. Right. He turned into cool puff. I was like, now nah, I like this guy. <laughs> and we started negotiating to, to, to sign, you know, Mary Mary, who they didn't, you know, they had they weren't signed to me yet. They were in the middle of signing to my production company mm-hmm. called Naira Entertainment, my name backwards <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I saw Oprah do it, so I went to try it. <laughs> yeah, didn't last very long. So um, we started negotiating that deal. We ended up not doing it. My my manager at the time said, yo, we can get a bidding war. If Puff wants it, this is the, the J-Lo and Puff Puff. Yeah, he was yeah. hot. He was like, you know, if he wants it, sight unseen, just because he wants it, every other label's going to want that. Mm-hmm. I was like, are you sure? I was on jets flying everywhere to see this, this chairman and that chairman. They all wanted it. Never even seen it. I didn't even have pictures of them yet. Really? Just playing this one song shackles for everybody that they were losing it. I said, wow. So, you know, we ended up doing an unprecedented deal over at Columbia. Yeah. Production deal. And that's how that. So, shackles, was that because of like the freedom of the Prince of Egypt movie? That's what we're thinking about. And then y'all just was like, too good for you. Yes. Because <laughs> it makes more sense fitting with the Prince of Egypt. Now, the shackles part, you know, yeah. free and all that stuff. Yeah. That's why we wrote it. Take the shack. Matter of fact, it was something different. I was up like two days working on this thing. And, I, and at the time, my parents, uh, I had built a studio in my parents' garage. Uh, we, were, we, we were in a different house, but still in the garage. <laughs> and so the music was loud, and they're writing. I was like, I got to take a shower. I'm like, like, Eric and Tina just got there, and I stink. So I'm going to the shower. But, you know, when you're playing music through the walls, it sounds different than, yep. you know. Yeah. So I, I had one thing going that they were writing to, but when I, by the time I got in the shower, it uh, the baseline sounds like do 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 do, but that's not what it was. It just mm. sounds like that through the wall, and I can hear it in the shower. I'm I'm like splash. Take the shackles off my feet, so I start singing it in the shower. Really? I just want the phrase. Take the shackles. I was just clowning like, I said, like, yo, this is dope. I just kept singing it. So I get out the shower. I run back in the studio. I was like, yo, listen, listen, listen. I stopped it. I played the baseline that I was hearing mm-hmm. as opposed to what was there. Do, 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 do. And I said, take the shackles off. They was like, yo, that's dope. And they wrote the verses. That's, that's what happened. And we're not giving this to the Prince of Egypt. We're not going <laughs> to the so, Prince of Peace. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously everybody in the world knows. Not, I want to say just as a, a child who grew up in gospel, shackles is to me, to me, the bridge into what I call new gospel, right? Mm. It was like gospel has, I'll, I'll just say like a, a bad reputation mm-hmm. for getting stuck in like. For being late to the party. Late to the party and stays way longer. Yes. The party is, oh, the people who are home are tired. This is a 30 year party. Why are you still here? <laughs> this is like, th- yes. Yeah, so so Mary, Mary comes out and I remember I was in high school at this time and I'm like, cause it had been a minute since mm-hmm. I had been excited mm-hmm. about a gospel song, yeah. right? Shackles come out, and I'm like, okay. Mm. Finally something that I want to listen to on my way to school, yeah. in my homie's car. And I knew it was big because people who weren't even saved or trying to be saved 
were playing that song. Really? I remember the church people got mad. They playing shackles down in the club. I don't think they even said Jesus. But I want to know from <laughs> your point of view, how big was that song for, for y'all? Because it was a massive smash hit, transitionary, transformative yeah. song. But for you, what was that like for, for you and for the group? I, I, I think, you know, you don't realize how big a song is until you get responses back. Mm. And the fact that we don't have and haven't had in 30 something over 30 years gospel radio in LA. Right. There's, like when I was a kid, we had a station, uh, KMAX uh, 107.1 mm-hmm. every day. But, you know, somewhere around 90, 89, 90, shut it down. So we don't have it no more. So we don't know the impact right, like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but once I was on, we had a station called 92.3 The Beat. <laughs> and I'm driving and they're playing the song. I was like, they played the song on the beat? Right, right. So I called Big John. Big John was like, yo, I sent the song to my man Larry Jackson. If you know Larry Jackson now, Larry Jackson is one of the heads at Apple Music. Mm. But then he was a product program director at a station in San Francisco, a pop station called KMEL. Mm-hmm. He plays the record. And everybody loves it, goes crazy. I, I don't know none of this is happening. Right. Then it trickles down and, and it gets to the beat. They start playing it and it's everywhere. And then we get this invitation. This one I knew was big. They got invited to open up for U2 in, in London. I said, U2? Huh? <laughs> and I didn't go, but they sent me, pic- they took pictures. When they got back, they showed me pictures of, it was in an, an arena. I mean, I'm sorry, in a stadium. Oh my gosh. 100,000 people and they rocking. I'm like, that's when I knew this is way bigger. And then they did a show called Top of the Pops mm-hmm. over in the UK. That's what all the big artists do. And then fast forward, we at the Lady of Soul. That's when they had, they had the Lady of Soul Awards for uh, Soul Train. We end up going. They asked us to perform. We put this performance together with dancers. We do it. And then they bring Holly Berry out to give them this special award. And I was like, huh? <laughs> and so that's when I knew by the time the Grammys came and they won the Grammy, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this is way bigger than I thought. Like, I, man, by that time I was like, yeah, this is. I don't, even, I don't even know what's happening anymore. I mean, and now, yeah. and now, shoot, that's over twenty years ago. Yeah. Now, Mary Mary is solidified as an iconic, yeah, gospel group. I mean, yeah, I mean, probably not even probably top ten gospel groups of mm-hmm. all time. You know, you have yeah. like. The found the founding people of gospel, mm-hmm. but these are like the carry the torch forward yeah. gospel artists. What does it feel like to be a part of like something so iconic and not just like in the periphery, like yeah, the architect or one of the reasons that even happened. Man, listen, I, I'm like I just I'm thankful every day. <laughs> That's like, the name of the song. Yeah, yeah the album thankful, thankful too. Yeah. Well, you know, to in this business that changes so much mm-hmm. um, in terms of who they pick that they like in terms of who they're gonna call to produce the record. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, you know, I'm hot, then all of a sudden I'm just not no more. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm not, I, you're, not t- you're not calling me no more for anything? Mm-hmm. That's fine, I always got this. <laughs> I'll put a Mary Mary album out and I'm hot all over again. <laughs> and so, you know, to, to be, you know, a part of something like that, that's a huge blessing to be, you know, Mary Mary could just do an album full of farts and they buy it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what is going on with this group. 
because they can that they can they're great apart they're amazing apart yeah but as soon as they walk in the same room together it's like uh, i don't know what the heck that yeah. is they just did a photo shoot together i seen it i'm like i said it's something about them to get i don't it even just, know it just it just works peanut butter and jelly me.